Hello, this is Dr. Gary Miller, president of the University of Akron. We're honored to have you listen to our podcast series, Diverse Engineering, which would not be possible without the generous support of our gold sponsor, GPD Group and Continental. Before this remarkable podcast unfolds, we also want to acknowledge this episode's sponsor, Bridgestone Americas Incorporated. The University of Akron and our community partners are committed to the success of students from around the world in our own backyard. We're especially proud of the contributions and successes that have resulted from the hard work, determination, and dedication of our students of color. Please enjoy our podcast. Welcome to Diverse Engineering, a podcast series celebrating the contributions of minority engineers to their fields in engineering. My name is Ebony Bond, and I will be your host for this podcast, Shooting for the Stars, How Zero Gravity Helped Me See My Potential as a Minority Engineer, which is being delivered to you in honor of the 30th anniversary of the IDEAS program, a program that supports the success of students of color in all fields of engineering. Our podcasts are dedicated to Dr. Paul Lamb, a professor who dedicated his life to helping all students succeed, but had a special mission to increase diversity in engineering by cultivating the potential in minority students. Dr. Lamb founded the Minority Retention Program in 1990, which he later changed to the IDEAS Program, Increasing Diversity in Engineering Academics. The IDEAS Program was further strengthened through the leadership of Dr. Ruby Mawasha, which then transitioned to the current assistant dean of the College of Engineering and Polymer Science, Dr. Julie Jow, who has the distinction of being the longest running director and is now being led by the Director of Diversity and Inclusion of the College of Engineering and Polymer Science, Heidi Cressman. With Dr. Lamb's strong foundational organization, the IDEAS program has thrived for 30 years. In today's podcast episode, Shooting for the Stars, How Zero Gravity Helped Me See My Potential as a Minority Engineer, we are speaking with Tanya Miracle. Tanya currently works closely with the C-suite in her position as a commercial original equipment account executive for Bridgestone. Her journey as an engineer began in 2012 when she graduated with a degree in chemical engineering from the University of Akron. While a student, she had the opportunity to create a project for NASA and as a part of a diverse all-female team that received the prestigious honor of being selected for testing on the Vomit Comet. The Vomit Comet is the airplane that is used to simulate zero gravity on Earth's surface. Soon after, she began her career at the Lincoln Electric Company as a new product research and development engineer and quickly realized that her strength was in project management and delivering high product value to the business. After taking on increased project manager roles, she transitioned from designing new products to delivering the top 10 key strategic projects on time and in scope. Destined for advancement, Tanya moved back into new product development and accepted a position at Bridgestone America's Technical Center. And after a few years of designing and launching new commercial truck and bus tires, Tanya again found herself with the opportunity to manage multiple programs with over $4 billion of new product development revenue. Completing her MBA from the Keller Graduate School of Business propelled Tanya into another newly created role within Bridgestone, where she was responsible for developing the company's innovation framework and worked across technology and the business to define future activities 
that will allow Bridgestone to execute its long-term strategies. In her current role, she is responsible for delivering growth on the commercial original equipment segment, both in current business-to-business market share growth, as well as seeking out new opportunities within the emerging electric vehicle original equipment segment. So with that being said, I'm definitely excited to speak with you on the podcast today. Um, And I'm interested in learning a little bit about how your experiences in the idea programs early stages have influenced your contributions. So to start, if you could tell me a little bit about, you know, if there was any evidence in your childhood that you would become an engineer and what was that? So I don't think there was really any evidence I would become an engineer. Um, In high school, though, I had a biology teacher that really encouraged everyone to try a number of things. In fact, one of the things he did was he taught us how to change our oil in our car. And he said, girls, even you are going to learn how to change your oil because it's really important to know how to do these kind of things for yourself. And he really kind of inspired me to look at science and engineering, right, in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, he brought fun to it, mm-hmm. and it made me really want to pursue science. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I, as I got older um, and I got married, um, my father-in-law was an engineer um, at a air separation facility, and he really encouraged me to look at engineering as just another step in a, in a career, that engineering can propel you into any part of the business you want to be in, that you don't just have to design tires or you don't just have to design a car, that you can use it to get into business and, and to make strategic decisions. And that really made me feel like this is where I need to be. Mm-hmm. So no playing with the Legos or... You know, no, I was a typical girly girl when I was little, right? So I had My Little Pony and Barbies and um, Briar Horses. I didn't really have um, Legos and things like that. Um, Again, it was really that high school experience and that one teacher that that interested me in science. Same, same. Mine was a calculus teacher. Engineering. (laughs) Um, So the title of this podcast episode is Shooting for the Stars, How Zero Gravity Helped Me See My Potential as a Minority Engineer and gives a hint about your experiences as a young engineer. Can you tell us what this title is about and how your perception of engineering was challenged as a student? So let me start by saying one of the things that I did as a student was to apply for every scholarship I could find. Mm -hmm. Um, Literally, I would spend my entire Christmas break applying for scholarships. Mm -hmm. And one of the scholarships I received was called the NASA MUST Scholarship. MUST Mm -hmm. stands for minority undergraduates in science and technology. Mm -hmm. Um, Part of that program was we got to all come together, all the scholarship recipients come together, meet each other. We spent a week week together. Um, We went to um, Cape Canaveral in Florida. We saw the launch pad. We saw all the um, space shuttle pieces. It was was Mm -hmm. awesome. Mm -hmm. And I met some um, other female engineering students actually science students, I should say. One was an electrical engineer and one was in material science. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just became friends, started talking about, hey, let's do some kind of cool research project as a NASA must group, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we thought, okay, what do we want to do? Well, the, the electrical engineer, her name's Hannah, mm-hmm. um, she said, I read this really cool paper about doing zinc oxide nanowires and how their piezoelectric properties um, you can really harvest energy and that this would be a benefit 
in a number of applications, including astronaut suits. So they could actually harvest the energy from their movement, store it into a battery pack, and then use it to, um, to fuel things, right? Mm-hmm. So we're like, how can that tie into this? Well, this paper she read was about creating them in a microwave. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that seems pretty simple. Mm-hmm. So we took that and thought, well, let's, let's ask to do it on the zero gravity flight because maybe zero gravity will have a different effect on these wires than, you know, here on Earth where there's gravity. Um, we put together a proposal. Um, we, we worked. Um, Hannah was in New York, and um, Olivia is in Seattle, Washington. Mm-hmm. So we put together this proposal from across the country, right? We all worked on, um, we had Skype calls, and we had, um, you know, Google Docs so that we could all work on the docs together, and we put together this proposal, and we were shocked when it got accepted. Um, it was super exciting for us. So then we actually had to do the experiment <laughs> and build all the parts to do the experiment. Um, you know, some of the some of the challenges we came up against, um, we overcame by sending each other pictures and technical documentation. Um, it was really important that we had good communication skills because you know if pieces needed to get done by a deadline, we had to make sure we were all in sync on that deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, we. We had organization and planning difficulties because, again, you know, being from, we're all in college, first of all, mm-hmm. and being in different states was, was difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, really, I think that that kind of got me ready for this pandemic as well, right? Mm-hmm. Because everything's moved virtually, and we were doing virtual back in 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of helped me realize that. Now, how does that tie into, you know, what I do today? Mm-hmm. Um, because all of those things really showed me what skills I needed to be able to run projects and to be able to do a research project in the real world, mm-hmm. right? Where college is great for theory, right? You learn mm-hmm. tons of stuff for theory mm-hmm. and you understand how things work. Mm-hmm. But the real world really has you know, deadlines and planning and, and that's really what tied it all together is mm-hmm. it made me realize um, that those are the skills I'm going to need to develop in order to um, be successful. Cool. Cool. Um, so how do you think that the ideas program at the notable University of Akron um, has contributed to your success? Um, first and foremost, it gave me confidence, right? It really showed me that I was able to do things that maybe I didn't believe I could do. Mm-hmm. Um, it helped me um, develop a large network. Um, I still have am close friends with many of the um, other students that I went through the program with. Mm-hmm. And that network really, while I was in school, was important because, you know, challenges that we had on the on the NASA program, one of them was we needed to create a complete structural analysis mm-hmm. of our frame that was holding our microwave that would go in zero G. Mm-hmm. None of us were civil engineers and had no idea how to do that. So I used my network in the ideas program. Some of my friends were in civil engineering they pointed me out to a professor who then pointed me out to a grad student that actually did our analysis for us. Hmm. Um, so I think really the ideas program really gave me that sense of family mm-hmm. so that I would continue to pursue my dream mm-hmm. even when you felt like giving up, right? Even when you're like, this is hard, I can't do this. Um, it gave you the confidence to realize that, yes, I can, and I have all these people here supporting me. That's really cool. Yeah. Were there any other challenges while, you know, you were working on the NASA project that you had to learn how to overcome? 
you know, as a student? Yeah, so I think most of them was filling that knowledge gap that we didn't have. Again, I had an electrical engineer, I was a chemical engineering major, and then a material science. So for the core of the project, we we knew what, you know, we were doing. But for all the other pieces that we had no idea what we were getting into, um, mm-hmm. writing the proposal and um, going out and finding grant money, that was a challenge. I, we had to go out and get our own money to support this project. Yeah, it wasn't given to us by NASA. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we learned how to write grants and, and ask for money. Mm-hmm. Um, we, that was just something that, you know, we started asking people, hey, have you ever wrote a grant request? And, you know, we leveraged our professors and, mm-hmm. and wrote these grant requests. Um, like I said, with the civil engineering, we never thought in a million years we'd have to do structural analysis on mm-hmm. something. And then here we had to do structural analysis or they wouldn't allow us on the plane. So um, really filling those knowledge gaps was our challenge. And, mm-hmm. and just leveraging the people we knew and, and using our... Um, communication to to really kind of sell our product, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the grants was really, really how we overcame those. Mm-hmm. So you really learned as a student how to see, you know, a project from ideation to fruition. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it was. And I think it was the first point where I realized that project management is super important. Mm-hmm. Um from an engineering standpoint, that mm-hmm. you can't just be an engineer. You have to understand how to manage a project as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you could, you know, you, you maybe just alluded to it in, in some way, but if you could give any advice to your younger self or maybe to an aspiring engineer or current student, what would it be? Um, I think the first piece is project management. Make mm-hmm. sure that you understand how to run a project. Um, but I really think being bold and having confidence is probably the most important um, piece of advice I would have given myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you chase what you want. Tell people what you want. Tell people what skills you have and the things that you're passionate about. Because if you don't let people know what you want to do and what your next career goal is, mm-hmm. no one's they're they're just going to think either you're happy where you are or mm-hmm. you know you. You don't really have a goal, right? Mm-hmm. So you need to let people know. And and I would say nine times out of ten, people care mm-hmm. and they want you to do what you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. And they'll find ways to make that happen. Mm-hmm. But it's really important that that you vocalize it because people can't read your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, letting people know what skills you have. It's I know a lot of engineers are humble and quiet and kind of you know, nerdy, if you will. Mm-hmm. But with that. Um, you need to let people know the skills that you've developed mm-hmm. because those skills are what's going to get you to that next step, mm-hmm. right? Um, again, really just speaking out about yourself is my biggest advice. Mm-hmm. So you talked about engineers, you know, being kind of quiet and, and nerdy. Um, what about you doesn't fit the typical mold, you know, of an engineer or <laughs> however you think engineers are typically depicted? So... Uh, now that I'm in um, account management, you know, and I tell people, oh, yeah, I have an engineering background. They're all like, what? <laughs> you don't seem like an engineer. And when I think about that, you know, I have a lot of engineer friends because I come from R&D. Um, and to me, there's no typical engineer, right? So what's different about me maybe than 
Um, some of the people who stay in research and development is I enjoy people. Mm-hmm. I enjoy interacting with people. Um, I like that relationship building. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe some of the engineers that are my close friends, you know, while they enjoy people, they only enjoy a close knit friends, right? So I mm-hmm. guess I'm more, um, what do I want to say? So I guess I'm more extrinsic when it comes mm-hmm. to my personality. I want to mm-hmm. be out there meeting new people, um, finding new things. I think that comes back to the innovation side of me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I always want to be seeing new things and reaching for the next step and the next goal. And it kind of fits when it comes to people too. Mm. That's interesting because you and the other two previous ladies all kind of said the same thing that they you know, develop those communication skills, networking, and yeah, kind of more so the the people side of the equation than just the the technical side. Yeah, I think I think that's really, really super, really important if you want to move out of engineering. If you want to stay in engineering, it's still important, right? You have to be able to work as a team. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to work cross-functionally. So, you know, when I was designing tires, I had to be able to um, work with our compounding department and our wire reinforcement department so that way we could all design one tire right mm-hmm. um, so so it's important regardless mm-hmm. um, but I think what makes me a little different is that I really like to meet new people mm-hmm. where when you're in a closed environment your cross-functional group might still be small and it might be the same people every day mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you you talked about, you know, kind of having the desire for innovation and what's the new thing and what's the next step. So are there any things that you're currently really curious about that you would like to learn more about or Yeah, so I am I love working with these new emerging OEMs that I'm getting to work with. Um, you know, the next step in mobility really is the electric car, mm-hmm. the electric semi truck, um, and working with those companies, it's incredible because many of them are brand new companies, right? So when mm-hmm. you think about a car, think about Ford, GM, Chrysler, they've been around for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. They do everything in a very regimented same way. But these new companies are startups and they're starting brand new. Some of them, like Tesla, for instance, they built a manufacturing facility completely from scratch, Mm-hmm. So everything they did was new and different, mm-hmm. right? I like that mentality, and I love learning about how it is that they do things differently than, I mean, even at Bridgestone, you know, we're a hundred and some year old company. Mm-hmm. So we do things in a very process-oriented corporate mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. right? So working with these startup companies and learning how they do things differently, I think helps me be better at what I do. Mm-hmm. So you talk, you know, about learning, you know, what role does learning play in your life? Oh, I'm constantly learning. <laughs> so part of why I change roles so often, mm-hmm. I, you know, you read my resume and um, I've been at Bridgestone five years and this is my third role, fourth mm-hmm. role, actually. Um, part of why I change roles so often is because I do always like to learn new things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's super important for me because I get I get bored mm-hmm. real quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so once I feel like I've mastered something, I like to move on and learn something new. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I was in tire development and project management, I actually got my MBA because I knew that the next step for me was to move to more of a business side. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm constantly learning new things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you talked about, was it your step? 
or your father-in-law mm-hmm. who was an engineer and you know told you that you could cross over to the to the business side was that what originally attracted you anyway that possibility or no um what originally attracted me to engineering was science and math okay i mean love it okay. and i still love it and even in my current job um you know which is more sales oriented um i I use my technical background every single day. Um, You know, if a customer comes to me with a problem, I'll go gather data to solve that problem. Mm -hmm. And that all comes from my engineering background. Gotcha. Cool. So are there any personal philosophies that you live by that you would like to share? Yes. Okay. There's a saying that hangs on my office wall. It's the day you plant the seed is not the day you eat the fruit. Mm -hmm. I am an instant gratification kind of person. I'm not patient. Um, I like whatever I do to get results immediately. So that saying really reminds me that it's about patience and mm-hmm. it's about doing little things every single day to reach a future goal, mm-hmm. right? And that future goal will come, but you need to wait for it, right? And you need to build up to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my mom says, ever since that microwave, y'all been messed up. <laughs> she used to tell me as a kid. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I, I definitely identify with that. And I've been studying and learning more about, you know, that myself and how to, you know, overcorrect for it to hopefully have a balance. I have to read that saying literally every day because I, I do things and I'm like, oh, I need to know now what's going to happen. But I have to remind myself that. No, it'll it'll all happen in time. They'll it'll all work out, mm-hmm. right? Ooh. So, are there any strengths that you think you know played a important part in becoming an engineer and even in your current role? So, I think something that's really important is engineers use a lot of big words and mm-hmm. technical jargon. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the skills that's kind of lost mm-hmm. that really would help people not only in their careers but in life in general is being able to explain things to someone who's not a technical person. Mm -hmm. I have found that it has gotten me further in my career than I think even the knowledge, the technical knowledge I have is being able to explain something in a way that anyone can understand. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, my director tells me all the time, she's like, she's not a technical person at all. She Mm -hmm. comes from a marketing background. Mm -hmm. She has you know, zero technical ability. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she tells me quite often, you know, you explain things so that I can understand them. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that mm-hmm. so that she can carry that message, you know, forward to her leadership mm-hmm. because they also may not explain that, understand the technical side, mm-hmm. right? They may, but they may not. Mm-hmm. So to be able to put it into terms that everyone is on the same page is, is super important. I think that's a skill everyone should learn. Mm-hmm. So the communications. Yep. Peace again. Um, were there any particular people that, you know, were instrumental in your, your journey to becoming an engineer or even particularly strangers? Um, I would say Dr. Julie was so important. I mean, mm-hmm. she was probably the most encouraging person. Um, the, you know, again, the Ideas program was my family, and I'm not sure that I would have done as well as I did and, mm-hmm. and made it to where I am without it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she was constantly telling me, you're awesome, you've got this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the family we built inside that program, um, I don't know, I think you guys are talking to Philip Steele on another podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a good friend of mine. He's so awesome. He, you know, he, 
used to tell me all the time, he'd give me a big ego. Um, he'd tell me all the time how, oh, you're so awesome and you, you got this. And um, really it was that, that that kept me going. And they were the ones who influenced me to, to, to really do all the things I've done. That's cool. Yeah, Dr. Julie, I've cried many times. <laughs> she's, she's just so awesome. <laughs> just walking in and I'm like... So, yeah, definitely supportive and played an instrumental role in me completing my degree. Yeah, without her, I couldn't have got through thermodynamics. So mm. she she kept <laughs> me on track. So um, so what motivates you or inspires you? Um, well, my passion is definitely technology in the future. Mm-hmm. Like trying to solve the problems that people have that maybe they don't even realize they have, right? Mm-hmm. Or being part of that solution. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, like working with the emerging OEs and knowing that that's going to make a big difference in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really my passion. That's what keeps me going is knowing that I get to work in that future space. Mm-hmm. I get to make a difference, you know, 10 years down the road. Cool. Um, so... My next question is, what's the most important thing that you feel like you've learned so far? And you may have, you know, alluded to it already as far as it seems a lot around communication. Yeah, the the most important thing, communication, um, speaking up for yourself, mm-hmm. right, having confidence, mm-hmm. um, and and building that network. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the things that, that are going to bring you success in all avenues of your life, not just um, in, in business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you have, you know, you have a problem in, in your personal life and you have a network of people to go to, mm-hmm. then that problem can get solved. Mm-hmm. Um, same with communication. If, if you have a problem that uh, needs solved and you communicate it well, it's likely going to get solved. Mm-hmm. So I really think that those are the kind of the four key components. Mm-hmm. Um, that that I've learned that will make me successful. Mm. So you said, you know, speaking up for yourself, how did you cultivate that over time? Was there any particular moment that you said, I'm never going to put myself in that situation again? Or how did you build that? So I wouldn't say that, but I got tired of kind of being overlooked, Mm. right? Like, oh, she's doing such a great job where she is. She's got to be happy, right? And I got tired of being the one who was, overlooked for that next step Mm. um really at lincoln electric it kind of Mm. kind of happened i got they got comfortable with me running projects Mm -hmm. um and i guess they assumed that i was happy doing that Mm -hmm. when really i wanted that next step Mm -hmm. so when i moved to bridgestone i said you know what i'm always going to say what i want Mm -hmm. and i'm always going to speak up and say oh that's what you know, there's an opening there, I would be really interested in that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when we did our reorganization, um, they took all the engineers and said, okay, some of you are going to stay engineers, and some of you can be um, program managers. Mm -hmm. And immediately, I mean, it wasn't five minutes after that meeting, I was in the director's office going, I want to be a program manager. Mm -hmm. I don't want to just be a tire design engineer anymore. Mm -hmm. And and it got me the, the program management role. Hmm. Um, what's your definition of innovation, and what role do you think it plays in the you know greater landscape of business or even humanity? 
So to me, innovation is, it could be a, a couple things, right? Innovation could be creating something completely new that solves a problem that, you know, is, is new to the world. Um, but it could also be taking things that we already use and just making them better, right? Mm-hmm. Um, making them work in a different way. Or, you know, one of the things that I like to think about is, you know, how can I take something that they do in some other area, right? Mm-hmm. So something they, maybe they do in printing or they do in, um, I don't know, household products. And how can I take that mm-hmm. and apply it to tires mm-hmm. or automotive? Mm-hmm. How can I think outside the box like that? To me, that's mm-hmm. what innovation is, is you know, creating something new, maybe out of something existing, maybe completely new altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, what role does it play in business? Right now, with the speed that things change, um, it's so important. Mm-hmm. Um, every day, some new technology is coming out. I mean, I just downloaded my latest iOS update, right? And mm-hmm. it's completely different than the last one. Mm-hmm. Things change so quickly that as a business, if you don't innovate, you will become obsolete. Mm-hmm. People won't need you anymore, mm-hmm. right? So one of the things, you know, Bridgestone is doing is they're looking at mobility in general instead of just tires. Mm-hmm. So we're working on being a mobility service company. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll do things like fleet service where people will actually, you know, um, on the commercial level, They'll bring their trucks into the yard, and instead of a person having to do an inspection, that vehicle will be able to do it itself. Because, mm-hmm. you know, digitally, our tires will say, ah, I'm a little worn, you're going to need to replace me next month. Mm-hmm. And they can set up that service call all on its own, like the truck will just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that are what's going to keep um, companies around, mm-hmm. is by constantly changing and finding those new ways to solve problems. Mm-hmm. And what, what role do you think startups play in that? I know you talked a little bit oh. about that earlier. But. Startups are a huge game changer because they're small, because they don't have necessarily corporate rules to follow. They can invent and innovate faster than any corporation ever can, mm-hmm. right? So as long as they can get the resources and the money they need to be able to, to do that, they create the speed of change. Mm-hmm. They're really what drives the speed of change. Um, you know, we've got the big apples of the world who also are driving speed of change, but really it's these startups that are challenging the norms, right? That are saying, we don't have to do it that way anymore. That are making, you know, these large, um, been around a long time kind of companies rethink their business models. So I definitely want to thank you for your time here today. Uh, I definitely have some nuggets that I'm going to take with me. Um, And we hope that you all enjoy the podcast today. Thank you so much. My name is Melissa Cardew, and I want to thank you for listening to Diverse Engineering. Because of the Ideas Program, I received the Arthur F. and Carol M. Anton Scholarship. It reduced my financial need and paved the way to academic success. If you would like to make a difference in another IDEAS student's academic career, please text IDEAS30 or IDEAS30 to 41444 or give online at uacron.edu slash giving slash IDEAS30. We hope that you've enjoyed listening to this episode of Diverse Engineering. 
I want to thank GPD Group and Continental for their generous support of this podcast series. And I'd also like to thank Bridgestone Americas Incorporated for sponsoring this episode. Lastly, thank you to podcast host Ebony Bond, podcast editor David Campbell, manager at WZIP Chris Kepler, and the College of Engineering and Polymer Science for making this podcast a reality. I'm Dr. Gary Miller, president of the University of Akron. Remember to aim high and rise higher. Go Zips!